Hello, everybody. Welcome to Medics Mind, the podcast. Thank you very much for coming by. Hope you're having a decent Tuesday. Is it Tuesday today? It's got to be Tuesday. Uh, hope you're having a decent Tuesday. Uh, I myself, I don't know what Tuesday I'm having. Um, I know it didn't start well, and that uh, is kind of what's leading me into what I'm going to talk about today. What I'm going to talk about today is recurring nightmares. Um, as many of you know, I have post-traumatic stress disorder and one of my most prominent symptoms of that, uh, ailment is, uh, being anathematized by nightmares. And, uh, I have a few that are recurring, a few that come, uh, with, uh, sinister staccato. And, um, I had one last night and I'm not going to get into the details of what it was about because, uh, for me personally, all that's going to do is just keep me immersed within the sea of that nightmare, and that's not what I want to do. Uh, so I figured I would jump on here and talk about uh, some of the ways that I navigate out of those, uh, you know, treacherous waters. How I get to how I get to a point where I'm able to integrate into a day. You know how how I go how I start a day with something like that and then progress into a normal day because there is a chance that nightmares are always going to be a part of my living my my I don't want to say daily because my hope is that the nightmares are eventually going to subside to a less invasive uh, form and uh, I I can't say with certainty that'll be the case and I can't say with certainty that it won't be the case. All I can say is right now, they are a fairly pervasive thing. Uh, It is almost a nightly occurrence for me to have some form of nightmare. The nightmare that I had last night is one of the more troublesome ones that that tend to visit me and uh, burden me. And so uh, it's a troubling one, and uh, it took me some time. After getting up this morning, it's now approximately, at the time of this recording, it's approximately a quarter to one in the afternoon. I was up by about nine and it's taken me until now to really be able to calm myself and be ready to talk, not only into a microphone, but just talk to people. Um, but I, I looked at the clock and I could see the time was passing and so I, I decided that I got. I got to do something. I can't just stay in the in the bad, uh, the bad place. Uh, as I'm gonna, I'm gonna refer to it as the bad place. Um. So typically in the past, uh, the way that I would deal with these feelings, these sensations, these uh, lingering after effects of nightmare, uh, or nocturnal bellum, um, is uh, you know, or it's. I would drink. I would drink. After adventure sleeping, I would drink uh, because it was the fastest way and most sure way to alter how I was feeling in the moment. What I mean by that is it's not necessarily for the better. You know, at the time when I was back during it, I thought it was for the better. But in hindsight and having the retrospect uh, of, of being able to look at things sober, it wasn't so much that it was for the better. Uh, or that I was feeling better, it was that I was feeling different, and that's what I was craving. That's what I was searching for. That's what I was. That's what I was after was something different. And so, alcohol was the fastest way to that, because instead of feeling, you know, uh, depressed and and uh, tortured 
uh, and and torn because post traumatic stress disorder, and I've said it before, is like uh, the the physical proof that time travel exists because it's like being in two places at the same time. And in, in nightmare form, it's not like being in dreamland. It's like going back to that heinous thing. And then when you come out of it and you're in the real world again, you're in the present again, it is, uh, is a very hard juxtaposition. It's tough. And so for me, alcohol was the fastest way to just feel something different. It would, you know, instead of feeling those things, I would feel somewhat, uh, you'd get kind of get that for anyone who's kind of been a drinker, has gotten drunk, uh, with any sort of staccato, you'll, that, that warm fuzz that happens in your body, you know, you get that kind of, uh, kind of fuzziness throughout your body and then in your head too. And so I found that, um, Back when I was drinking those, I would think that those were better. And uh, and it's not that they were better, they were just different. And uh, in being sober, I'm, I'm able to come to that, I'm able to see that, that they were just different, they weren't better. And uh, and so now over the past six months, um, where I haven't been drinking, I've had to come up with different ways, different things to do uh, in order to feel a bit different. Because it's not it's not just as easy as changing my thought process. It's not as easy as just saying, oh, well, I'm not going to feel this way. Uh, oh, well, I'm not in in the basement with a dead kid. So you don't have to feel that way. And it's not as easy as that. If it was as easy as that, I probably wouldn't need therapy and I probably wouldn't have nightmares because I'd be able to con- convince my brain to train my brain to not have those things uh, come to them. But unfortunately, that's not the case. That's not how, how reality works. Uh, at least my, that's not how my reality works. It's not how my symptomology works. So, um, what I do, I, after this nightmare, and like I said, I'm not going to get into the details of what it was, but some of the lingering after effects of, of this nightmare, really horrid rancid tastes in my mouth. Uh, I, I have bad smells, bad tastes. And, uh, so the first thing I do after lamenting at myself, um, which I'm trying to do a lot less of, I'm trying to get less angry at myself because it's, you know, conceptually I understand it's not my fault uh, that I've that I react this way or that these things happen, uh, but it's no less uh, burdensome when they do, and so it's easy to become frustrated. But I am working hard at at not staying in that place of frustration. So the first thing I do. When I've had a few minutes to acclimate to my surroundings and look around at my apartment and uh, touch touch things around me like a blanket that I now have, uh, feeling the textures of that blanket, how soft it is, uh, the color of it, looking around my apartment, naming five different things, uh, hearing things outside, you know, the traffic going by. I try, so with my blinds closed, uh, or even if I open them, I don't look out the window, I try to think of what vehicle it is that's passing. I, you know, I, I try to envision what that vehicle is. Is that a four-door car, four-door sedan? Is it a two-door? Sounds like a four-cylinder, not an eight-cylinder. You know, I try, okay, that's a heavy vehicle. It's got to be a truck. It's rattling around. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a city a city truck. I don't know. Uh, I try to to just really be present in the here and now. And so that's what I do when I initially start coming back to my surroundings when I start coming to and realizing that okay I've had a I've had a dream or a flashback or something those are the first steps that I'm I'm implementing to myself now and I'm not saying 
that it's flawless. I'm new in this. I'm in the infancy of doing these things. You know, uh, when I say I've been sober for six months, uh, I have, but six months is baby steps. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's diminutive in, in the grand scheme of things. And, uh, after spending so much time, uh, hiding from symptoms and not addressing them, um, or masking them, uh, and now having to confront them while convincing myself that the drink is not the way to go. Uh, there's a lot going on at one time. There's a lot happening at, at one, one time. So, uh, in, in knowing that and having that knowledge, I generally try to focus on one thing at one time. I don't look around the room and then picture cars outside at the same time and then feel the blanket. I, I, the first thing I do is I get up and I feel the blanket, feel it in my hands. I feel what it feels like between my fingers. Okay. That's step one to grounding myself to the here and now. Uh, sometimes I'll stand up and I'll feel the weight of my feet on the floor. And then I'll think about the floor pushing up against my feet and I'll feel that, that weight. I'll feel that pressure and I'll say, okay, I'm on my floor. What does my floor look like? I'll look at my floor. I'll look at the, you know, the grain, the, uh, the lines in the wood and go, okay, this is all right. This is my apartment. Like what color are my walls? And then I'll start doing other things like the traffic thing or naming the five things within my apartment. And then then the next thing I do once I've had enough uh, you know, time in the here and now, the next thing I do is combat that that really nefarious taste in my mouth. Uh, I go, uh, and I call it nefarious because it's uh, it comes from a bad place. Uh, and I, without getting into the details of the dream, uh, I can't really. I just anyway, I go to the bathroom and I brush my teeth. Uh, it's the first guy and I, I have some mouthwash there too. So I brush my teeth and I use mouthwash and I have my sage sniffer, uh, at the ready. So when I'm done brushing my teeth, and I'm done using the mouthwash. I use the sage sniffer and I, you know, I try to focus on, on those things. And, uh, it sometimes I, I find that the tasting is the biggest, uh, um, sort of, I guess handcuffed to to the the rumination to the to the past to that event because the taste thing the the invasive uh, flashback or sensory flashback uh, is 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 it la- it's it lasts a long time it's kind of throughout the day it'll be there there's always that hint of of nastiness in my mouth and so. The more I focus on it, the the stronger it seems to become. And uh, even now, in the back of my throat, and I, I'm sitting here with my sage sniffer in front of my my nose as I talk into the microphone, uh, and I'm looking at the microphone. I'm uh, so I'm I'm trying to stay connected to this moment, to the present, and uh, so that's I have to do things throughout the day to keep. It's not a one and done. It's something I have to continually do. And, uh, and so those are the first initial things. The next thing I do is I make a coffee. Now I'm more of a tea person. I like tea more than I like coffee, but on, on, on days that I wake up and I have had a nightmare, uh, coffee is my go-to for, for the initial drink. And the reason for that is because it's usually a very robust taste. It's a very full bodied taste and it's an all encompassing, uh, you know, flavor 
uh, when it hits the palate. And so I find that that helps combat uh, some of the iniquitous, uh, you know, dealings of the mind, you know, it, it helps kind of combat what that, what my brain is doing. So, uh, coffee is my go-to and, uh, I drink it just black, uh, as strong as can be. And, uh, and I find that that helps. I actually have my coffee sitting uh, here beside me. This is my second cup, uh, today, uh, because the, 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 the taste, uh, it's been a little more, um, you know, pertinacious, uh, uh, today. Um, and, uh, and, and that sucks. Uh, sorry, I, I'm trying to, I, I, I apologize for being kind of, um, I'm trying very hard to not, to A, not get angry with myself and B, not fall back into those things. Uh, so it's actually, if you just give me a second, I'm just going to grab some gum. I'm just going to pause. Uh, just give me a second. I have to pause this here. All right, I'm back. You guys probably didn't notice my absence, and I won't get offended by that. But uh, <laughs> uh, I had to take a take a time out. Uh, I didn't want to try and talk with gum in my mouth. I thought that'd be a dumb thing to do. Um, okay, so uh, I'm trying to remember where I was. Uh, coffee um, in dealing with those those things. Basically, what I'm saying is that um, you know, in in comparison to the past where my go-to was alcohol because I thought that it was just, and it was the fastest way of feeling something different. I thought it was doing something, feeling something better, uh, which is still kind of arguable in, in relation to what I'm feeling to what, but it's not healthy. That's, I think that's the, the agreeable point. It's not healthy because you can't turn to alcohol in hopes that it's going to do something. I have to confront these things. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm starting to learn uh, in these six months of, of sober is that, you know, whether I was drunk or not, I was still confronting them I, or like they were still happening. I just wasn't dealing with them. I wasn't confronting them. Now that I'm sober, I have no choice but to confront them. And yes, I still use things to help me feel better, but they're not going to, you know, eat away at my liver, right? <laughs> they're not going to, they're not causing me to not be able to drive, you know, if, if down the road I, I end up getting my, my license back and get a vehicle and, and a job and it's not going to limit my ability to drive. You know, I'm not going to need a, a drink in the morning to, you know, to get rid of the demons. Um, so I, the biggest thing is that I'm learning to uh, combat these things in different ways. And, uh, you know, I mean, this podcast, for example, I never would have thought to come on and orate anything to anybody uh, in the past. I, I would just kind of swallow it lament against it. I might write a blog post, but the blog post would be angry and uh, it would generally be, um, you know, uh, rife with self-inflicted wounds, uh, you know, uh, talking bad about myself. And I'm trying to get away from that. Uh, I am angry. I will be fully transparent. I am angry. I hate the fact that I'm like this. I hate the fact that I woke up this way. And I hate the fact that I'm 36 years old and sometimes... I wake up frightened as a child. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, but, but it is what it is right now. It is, I'm in the place right now where it is what it is. And I'm working diligently to, to get better. And, uh, that's what I'm trying to give myself credit for. The fact that I am working, the fact that I am trying to confront these things, the fact that I am trying to work around 
the way that I, that I'm that I'm still integrating into into the day that I'm still taking part of the day. I don't just hide in my apartment. I don't just keep the the, the blinds drawn anymore. Uh, I don't just stay immersed within that sea of badness. Uh, I actually try to get out. I mean, when I'm done this podcast, uh, my, the order of business is to throw my coat on and go for a walk, listen to some music. Uh, it's not too bad outside. It's a little bit snowy, but it's not too cold. Um, and even if it is a bit chilly, you know, getting outside for a chilly walk is not the way. I mean, I was in the army. I had to sleep outside in the snow for goodness sakes. Uh, so I'm going to get outside and go for a walk. Uh, I'm also, uh, there's an outdoor hockey rink. And if I can motivate myself to get on the bus, uh, I'm going to go to the hockey rink and uh, play some outdoor hockey. Uh, hopefully nobody will be on the rink today. It's a school day, so hopefully it'll be uh, empty, but you know, you never know. Either way, um, I'm going to get outside and uh, and just try and clear my head. Uh, I might even go flirt with the barista at the coffee shop. Uh, you know, it's nice to uh, treat my eyes to something beautiful after it has seen something absolutely grotesque and horrible uh, as it had uh, in my dreams. Um, and the worst part about that is that the dreams aren't really playing anything that's uh, hyperbolic. It's, uh, you know, sights, sights once seen. And, uh, you know, old, old me, um, it's, uh, you know, drinking me, uh, would have just sat at the bar, uh, drinking until those images, imagery or that those images and imagery were, uh, diluted or, um, at the very least, uh, you know, not, not so much on the, the potent scale of pain. Uh, but, uh, you know, now, now I got to do other stuff. I want to do other stuff. I don't have to, I want to, I want to do other things because it's, uh, it's no way to live. It's not living actually. It's just sort of existing and that doesn't help with mood either. Uh, you know, so I have to do different things. I have to uh, find worth um, in in myself, and I'm working hard to to find that. I I'm working hard. I it's tough, but uh, uh, you know, at the at the very least, I got the mechanics down. You know, uh, which is one huge victory. The, having the mechanical aspect of it down, like the getting up, going, brushing my teeth, uh, grabbing a coffee. You know, I have the physical. Uh, things that need to be done. I have those things done. You know, the uh, the being compassionate, kind, and forgiving to myself. Those things w- will probably come in time. Um, but at least I'm not lamenting against myself the way that I once was. Um, and I think maybe the podcast has helped too because, you know, uh, I don't think anybody wants to listen. I, I, well, I'm surprised anybody wants to listen to me anyway, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. But I'm deeply humbled and, and uh, appreciative that you guys do. Uh, but, uh, you know, nobody would want to listen to me just rage against myself, scream and say also, I mean, who wants to hear self-deprecating podcast, uh, podcast after podcast after podcast? I mean, that's what my blog used to be. It used to just be angry and rage-filled and spiteful. And all somewhat introspectively, uh, you know, geared, geared and, and cited at. And uh, it's, not a, it's not a way to heal and get better either. Um, the, fact, the fact is, when I look at facts, uh, I'm a tangible kind of guy. When I look at facts, fact is I have an injury. 
My brain is injured. I have, my mind is bleeding. I I have post-traumatic stress disorder and I, I fucking hate it. Uh, and sometimes I still have that fantasy that maybe I don't have it, that maybe it's just, maybe I'm just a bit stressed. Uh, but I, I try to move away from that fantasy too because I have to confront the fact that I, that I have this thing. And, um, and, and so, uh, I, I do, I do hate it. I'm not, there's nothing to like about it. Uh, but the fact is I have it. And so, you know, you can, you can hate it. And I, I think that's fine. And I do hate it and that's fine, but I also have to confront it. I also have to deal with it. Uh, because it's not just going to go away and I can't run away from it. No matter geographically, no matter where I go, it's going to be there. You know, I could show up to the most beautiful island with the most beautiful island girls and it's still going to be there. The imagery is still going to be there. The boy is still going to be there. The babies. I couldn't, that's still going to be there. Um, the suicides, they're all, everything is there. I need to figure out the stuck points. And I will at some point, I'm sure of it. I need to navigate them and, and eventually repack my locker. I think I, I said this once on a previous podcast, but I, I heard it in Bellwood. Somebody uh, likened um, post-traumatic stress to, to a locker. He said, your mind is a locker. And as you navigate through your career and you accumulate different things, you know, different pictures of bad stuff. You go and you put it in in your locker, and then you hang up you hang up different you know uniforms you know the uh, uniforms that have got blood on them and and bad smell. You hang all that stuff up. Everything goes into this locker, and eventually, the locker becomes so heavy that it tips over, and everything just spills out of that locker. Everything. It's no longer in a place or a compartmentalized. It's everywhere, bleeding on top of one another. It is just a mess, and. In combating post-traumatic stress, we have to learn how to pick that locker back up, put the hangers back in it, and pick those photos up, put them in back in the shoebox or wherever we've had it. We have to repack that locker. We have to pack it neatly and evenly so that it doesn't tip over. And uh, and so I I know that that uh, I'm in the the entry stages of, of doing that. Um, and, I, and sometimes I get impatient with myself thinking that I should be further ahead than what I am. Uh, but I'm trying very hard to just say, no matter where you think you should be, this is where you are. So deal with that. Because when you put expectations on yourself and you feel like you're not meeting those expectations it's easy to just fall back down and feel bad again. And when you fall back down and feel bad again, you're not helping yourself. You're just beating the crap out of yourself. And, uh, and so when I tell, when I say in this podcast, in the previous podcast, I don't really like myself and that's true. I don't, uh, the way that I, that I circumnavigate that roadblock is that I, I envision myself as a patient. I look at myself and say, okay, if I had a patient, like me, if I had somebody like me, you know, somebody who has been through the same or similar things as me, and they were my patient, and they were complaining to me about the same things that I'm thinking and feeling, and the same self-deprecation that that I'm spewing, 
what would I say to them? What would I do as a medic? What would I, if that was my patient, I had to take them to the hospital, what would I do? How would I do my job? And so I try to talk to myself that way. And I think that if I do that with enough repetition, that maybe eventually I'll feel like I'm worth talking to myself that way. And if I feel like I'm worth talking to myself that way, well, that's just another rung in the step of getting better, towards getting better. That ladder is getting higher. I'm climbing higher. And that's all I can hope for. And waking up from dreams like I had last night, I can't, I can't, I can't lie to you. I can't sugarcoat it to you. Uh, I mean, thinking about it right now, I, I, I want to cry. Um, no, I do. I hate it. I, I hate it a lot. And I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. Uh, but it, it doesn't mean that I have to, uh, it doesn't mean that I have to be stuck there for the day. I still have, you know, uh, a good chunk of the day left to live and, and experience and I don't know what the day holds, you know. Maybe I'll get a smile from one of the pretty baristas. Maybe I'll get a free tea. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe I'll go outside and see a cute dog. Dogs are better than people, you know. Or maybe, you know, if I get out to the hockey rink, nobody will be there. And and the ice, the ice will be mine. And uh that's if I if I just sat here and beat myself up over waking up the way I did and I, I just stayed stuck within within what I saw last night, um, reliving it and staying, you know, saturated in it. I wouldn't have the chance to experience any of those things, the potentiality to have those good things. You know, I might run into a friend. I don't know. The, the What I'm saying is that if I, if I manacle myself to what the dream was last night. If I if I stay stuck in that poison of memory, then I am guaranteeing myself the inability of getting better. Whereas if I choose to just walk out my front door, I'm giving myself the potential for absolutely incalculably wonderful things. Because nobody we nobody knows what happens. Next, nobody knows. Like we, we live our lives, or we should be living our lives moment to moment. At least, uh, that's. I don't mean to tell you how to live your life. That sounded really fucking pretentious. I need to live my life moment by moment. And if I stay here, I know what what it's going to happen. I know what those moments are going to look like. I know how they're going to unfold. And it's not good. It's not. It, it, there's nothing about it that's good. So I refuse to do that. Absolutely refuse to do that. I've I did that for a long time in my life. I've given up years of my life to the pursuit of synthetic distraction. You know the the haze of drunk. I've given up years, years of my life. And if there's one thing that being a paramedic has taught me, and if there's one thing that being a now orphan has taught me, is that life is so so fleeting. It is, it is literally a blink and it's over. And I've given up years of my life to a bottle masquerading as a friend. Alcohol is not my friend. It was never my friend. It was never my ally. And it was never medicine. All it was 
and all it became for me was poison. I'm done drinking the fucking poison. I can't help the nightmares. I can't stop them. I can't. Not right now. Maybe they'll slow down eventually, but not right now. I can't stop them. They're just there. And it sucks. It's infuriating. It is. I can't, I can't stay in that moment. The nightmare is over now. The same as that event that caused the nightmare is over. It's over. But today isn't. I'm not over. So I'm going to keep moving forward. No matter if it's just the coffee shop. If I just, if I just, if I don't make it to the hockey rink and I just make it to the coffee shop, there's a victory right there. So I'll go there. I'll grab myself a tea. I will flirt with the barista because why not? I might even try and read a book. It's going to be tough for me today because uh, anytime after nightmares, it's tough to read a book. But like I said, uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this in another podcast. I ordered a bunch of Calvin and Hobbes books from Amazon because uh, I love Calvin and Hobbes uh, from from being a kid. Uh, you know, it was one of my favorite uh, comic uh, comic characters and strips of all time. Uh, but it's imagery, and I'm still reading. But it's a comic. It's not something that I have to get frustrated with because because if I take a regular novel that I'm currently reading and I can't retain anything. Well, I don't really have to retain Calvin and Hobbes. I can just look at pictures. You know, so maybe I'll take uh once they arrive, maybe I'll take a Calvin and Hobbes book and uh and head out to the coffee shops. But um you know, what but it's just like the army, adapt and overcome. Adapt and overcome and uh and I'm adapting to my day and I'm going to overcome the bullshit of my mind. You know, that's that's my that's my proclamation. For Tuesday, February 19th, I'm going to overcome the nefarity or nefarious nature of, of my mind. Fuck it. Fuck it. You know? I had a bad dream. That's what happened. That's the reality of it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm here now. I'm alive now. The sun's out, you know, which used to piss me off, but it actually kind of looks beautiful outside right now. So... Maybe I can go out and enjoy that for a bit. In fact, I think that's probably what I'm going to do. So I'm going to I'm gonna stop talking to you guys. You know, you've taken up enough of my time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I absolutely adore you guys. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your support. Uh, you really do help me in ways that uh, that I will not be able to express or articulate properly. So thank you so very much for that. But I am going to get out now. I'm going to go and deal with the fact that, yes, I have recurring nightmares. Yes, they come, and yes, they go, and yes, they come again, uh, and and they come with more of a staccato than I'm I'm happy with right now. But but every therapy session I show up to, every therapy session I'm engaged for, and every time I get up and brush my teeth, I feel like I'm winning. I'm pushing those those things back into into place. I'm putting that. I'm putting that locker back together, and uh, and that's that's something to be happy about. That's something to be prideful for, and I am. So, with that, I'm going to bid you guys adieu. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go for a walk. 
and I wish you guys all the best. If you're working right now, be safe out there. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for keeping us safe. So be well, be warm, get some food, get a coffee, and above all else, keep talking to each other. 